There's no doubt in my mind that the topic of money contests our relationship. Am I right? Or am I right? We need to understand our differences, our varying money styles, and in conjunction, when we have an appreciation of also our shared goals, that is what breeds that financial unity. La pregunta es, how do we do this? Today, we have a special guest, Karina F. Daves, who is a relationship coach. And as you will see in this conversation, she has a true gift for this topic. You are listening to Her Dinero Matters, the podcast helping Latinas have increased confidence and control over their finances. My name is Jen Hempel, and as an accredited financial counselor, my mission is to help you be more confident and simplify your finances so you can save more, get out of debt quicker, and build your wealth. Whether you're newly dating or maybe you're years into marriage, in order to have financial unity, it's super important to be able to have those conversations about money. And I get it. Those are probably some of the toughest to have. And naturally, you're also going to have varying money styles because you're each unique individuals. I'm confident, though, that today's conversation with Karina F. Days will introduce you a fresh approach to relationships and money. Karina is a relationship coach empowering women to elevate their marriages using insights from her background as a social worker and professor. I believe she really has a gift for this topic. And with over 200,000 social media followers, her videos have amassed nearly 25 million views. So I think that really supports that she has a gift. You are in for an absolute treat. Let's go meet Karina. Karina, I am so thrilled to have you here. And before we get started, you shared some things with us that I'm really curious about. Okay. You have an empanada company and you're from Peru. So tell me about the empanadas. Are they really better than the ones in Colombia? <laughs> okay, well, fun fact, I've <laughs> never tried the ones in Colombia, but every time I see it on the menu, I do order it just to see if it's really good, how does it compare to mine? I started an empanada chica company, which I actually closed down about a year and a half ago. I was doing empanada making workshops for women on the fly that had busy lives and I wanted to teach them how to make empanadas super simple. Um, so I hosted workshops in my home for two years and during that time I perfected the recipe. And in Peru, we put a lot of, um, like I say, tunas, olives and eggs and stuff like that in there and we them. And I would say the only thing that I continued was not so much the additional things that are in there, but the baking. I really enjoyed eating baked empanadas versus fried. And I felt like they were taking up less time. So for like the working person or the entrepreneur or whatever. And so after two years, then I was hosting virtual workshops online with COVID. And then I said to myself, everybody raves about my empanadas, like my kids' schools, every event that I host. I had one person convinced that came to my son's birthday party that I had not made the empanadas, that I had bought the empanadas from this like local Colombian shop, by the way. Okay. Now that I'm remembering, this woman came to my son's birthday party and was like, you are you sure you made them? I'm like, I did make them. She goes, because they taste exactly like the Colombian empanadas around the corner. And I'm like, I did not. I made them. I have a, I have my own business. So then I decided to venture out into the world of food. And I had a really good friend. And she said to me, Gadi Mira, when you're in the food business, you have to really love it. So 
the the people that stick it out are the people that really love it. And I said, okay. And so I got my commercial license. I got a commercial kitchen. I started making them. I was making wow. 200 empanadas a day selling like crazy. And wow. Jenny knows this, but Peruvian green sauce is epic. And so oh. I <laughs> – look at her. She's yes. fantasizing about it already. <laughs> And so I made my own Peruvian green sauce that I would have next to the empanadas and it sold so good. But when I got home, I could feel my pulse all over my body and I hated it. And I was working my nine to five. I had my coaching business and this was a part of wow. something that I really wanted to try because I knew it was good. I even flew to Arizona to work with a systems coach to figure out how to turn this business into a viable business in six months. And so we had a whole three-year plan. Like I don't play games. and You don't. <laughs> And in order to do that, I had to start hiring. I had to start doing things like Uber Eats, which takes 40% of your profit, by the way, it's or 30 or 40%. It's horrible. And so after some time, close to a year, I decided that it just wasn't for me because like my friend said, I really didn't love it. Um, do I love making them? Of course. Do I love selling them? No, no, no. However, I do see myself opening up a store in a couple of years. So that's my answer. Nice. <laughs> that is so cool. Because when I saw that, I'm like, what? <laughs> I need to know more about that. Now that now that I got my, you know, my selfish question out of the way, <laughs> let's dig into more into you, Karina. And tell us if you could just take us back in time to whether you're a little girl or any time, any memorable moment, something that an experience, something that you observe that really to this day, you know, has had an impact on how you perceive and how you view money. So take us back in time. Wow. That is such a good question. When I think about that question, I go back to the thought of um, bankruptcy and basements. And so when we came to this country in the 90s, we lived in a basement with my dad and my mom. And for me, looking back, it really signified like your I guess, planning your roots and you're kind of starting over again because in Peru, we weren't well off, but we were good. And so then you come here and you live the basement life, which was my thought. And so then we started living in apartments and we were a little bit more well off. And then when my parents got divorced in 1997, we went to live in my grandma's basement and both of my parents had to file for bankruptcy. That was a turning point because later on, my mom ended up remarrying they we rented a house it was this whole like rent to buy you know type of thing you rent a house to buy it and all of that and we were doing so well or so i thought and a year and a half two years later we lost that house uh with my stepdad and we went back to my grandma's basement and my mom filed her for bankruptcy again and so when i think of my relationship with money and sort of the turning pivotal moments it's really that feeling of what basements mean to me and what bankruptcy meant. And to be honest with you, I recently have been talking about this because I've really been tapping into my relationship with money. And it's always been this fear of going bankrupt. Now I am in no position of going bankrupt, but I think that those moments really left an imprint on me. And I, I, I want to be so honest with you about that answer because that's, that's I think, what I'm at right now in my, um, in my journey with money is really divorcing, funny enough, the idea that I will never put my family in that situation. And even if 
I ever do, every single one of those moments that we were in the basement, we always survived. Right. That's key. You always survived. You may yeah. do, you're, you're still here, you're thriving. And I like, I mean, I love how you mentioned that because I know we all, I, I asked this question on purpose because we, we need to have an understanding of why we see money the way we do. Right. And a lot of times we don't observe that or we don't recognize that. So we still, the, the past still stays with us and we have this icky feeling about the past and we, we don't recognize it, how it ties into how we perceive money, our relationship with money. So therefore we don't improve. Yeah. We don't make a change. And I'm curious to know, cause you mentioned another, some, some other key things you, you mentioned your parents' divorce. You mentioned also divorcing that, that thought, right? Mm -hmm. That you could be in that position because you know, you won't be. Talk to us because you're now a relationship coach. And I'm curious to know, I'm always a big believer that our upbringing really impacts what we do today. So I'm curious to know, did that have an impact? So how did you become a relationship coach in terms of was your parents' divorce a big influence uh, or was it something else? I really do think like, I didn't really fall into it. You know, I'm a big, if you follow me on Instagram or on TikTok, which if you're on TikTok, do not get involved with the comments. It's a different world out there. Um, <laughs> but I really do feel like everything happens for a reason. I'm a big believer in God and, and faith is such a big part of my life. And, you know, it's interesting because when we moved to that house in Union, New Jersey that we lost, it was that year that I actually met my husband when I was 13, who I'm married to now, which we didn't stay together, but I met him and it was like that was implanted. And I always wonder if we moved just so God could put us together for us to be later together in life, you know? And when I think about my parents' divorce, I remember thinking and still believing that it was the way that relationships went. And I was very much a checklist person, like get your degree, check, get married, check, have kids, check, and, you know, go to church, check. And when I got married with my husband, he's a very flexible, outgoing person. And I would say that I'm a recovering controller and I like my T's crossed and my I's dotted. And so I see so much similarity yes. here. I'm like, it has to happen at this time and this way, honey. And even if I'm nice about it, and that's the thing about like people who are some are seen as controlling, when most of us are not really mean. Like we just we just do it out of safety. I really do feel like your question leads me to think about how much my controlling spirit was in essence the way to control my relationship so I wouldn't get divorced. So it did really control the beginning of my marriage until we realized like something wasn't working. And, you know, we had to do things that were unconventional, like therapy and seek advice and, and wise counsel. And so for me in that moment, I had already gotten my master's in social work. So I had gotten a hint of like, this is how you work with people and relationships and stuff. But it wasn't until my husband Terrence and I went to couples therapy that I really started to feel like, wow, most of the issues that we have with each other has more to do with our own unresolved issues and our own unresolved trauma than it does with each other. And actually the focus is you, which is why one of the biggest things I say is like a better relationship starts with a better you. So yes, not only did my parents' divorce influence my relationship coach journey, but so did my own marriage in realizing that 
there was more to it than the surface level money and the surface level, like you're not taking care of the kids. Like it's much deeper than that. Yeah. And realizing that takes a while. I think I know mm. it took me, <laughs> took me a while because we're so focused. And I, I don't know if it, we, my husband and I were young, you know, mm. in our twenties married and just, we were still trying to figure out ourselves. We, and so when there's an issue in the relationship you're, tr you find, I forget the term for it, but you, you try to find the issue of what it is. And it's usually not within yourself because mm -hmm. me, like, why would it be me? <laughs> right. Uh, this is how marry my husband is how I discovered how stubborn I am mm. uh, that I r didn't realize that people try to tell me that I'm like, no, never, not me. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, we're doubly stubborn. It's comical. Yeah. Um, so I think it's, it's, and we don't realize, and it takes a long time. So if you're listening at, to this episode and you're like, no, I, there's nothing, you know, it's not me. I mean, I think I encourage you just to look within you, not that you're the cause root of the problem, but to work on you. And I know, Karina, you have a lot of expertise on this. So I can't wait to dig in deeper. But my next question here is, since this is this podcast is about money, what have you seen in your experience, the biggest challenges in relationships that are connected with money? We know money can be a big, a big um influence and in, in mm -hmm. divorce, right? Mm -hmm. But what have you seen in your experience and in your work? Sure. And I just want to offer that like, when you talk about your relationship with your husband, it reminded me of how much your marriage or your relationship is your mirror, which is why like you were able to see that side of you because it, it's a reflection of who we are. Like they're telling us their feedback of us and we're either going to like it or we're not. And in the beginning, we usually love it. And then by like year five, we're like, you're crazy. I'm not like that. Right. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. I think for me, one of the biggest challenges that I've seen with money and relationships, you know, it, here's the thing. Many of us view it as like, there's not enough, right. Or you're not doing enough. But for me, I feel like the common theme has been values. When your money values, when your financial values are not aligned, that is what is going to propel all the other issues and conversations that you're ha having, right? So like, it's much bigger than the fact that like, you spend 10,000 on the credit card for Christmas. It's much bigger than like, I don't know, we go out to eat every single day. Like, it's much bigger. It's literally your values. Have you sat down and spoken about your values? And I say this often, when people are getting ready to be in relationships or getting ready to get married. I'm like, you got to talk about your uh, values with your spirituality, your values with, you know, family and raising your kids. If you want to have kids, right? Like that's a value. And then three, your money. Your money is right. going to be at the center. If you don't talk about the relationship that you have with money, your values with money, you have to be so open. Before Terrence and I got married, I was like, this is my debt. What, what do you have? <laughs> I'm like, this is what I have. What do you have? Right. And then, and then we had to openly have a conversation about like how we were going to plan to pay that off. And here's the thing. I'm not knocking anybody's um, ways of handling many of these conversations. All I'm saying is that you have to be aligned in your how. So many couples say we're going to merge our money. That's great if that's what you value. Many couples say, we're going to keep our money separate. That's amazing. As long as it aligns with your values and y'all agree on it. So for us, when I think about our debt, 
we very much had to get on the same page of like, you know what, um, we're going to pay this debt and we're going to pay this off together because that's going to be quicker. And that was sort of our thought process during that moment. He could have easily just been like, it's your debt, you pay it off. But we both came to terms with the fact that like, you know, we could be quicker if we work together. And that's what works for us. It doesn't work for everybody. But that's just an example of what I really believe how values play a role in financial issues and relationships. Yeah, I agree. And I think we all sh shouldn't assume that we know their values just because everything seems great. You get along great. You're liking the same things. Mm -hmm. I love it that you said that, Karina, because what we don't want to ignore is that we, that we need to have that conversation because sometimes we think everything's great. Yes, we have all these things in common, but we're not going to know everything in the relationship unless we have that conversation. So I'm glad that you pointed this out because that is just so key. With my husband, we did have the money conversation, not a, maybe not a full blown out money conversation that maybe we could have had. Mm -hmm. uh, but we talked about that. We talked about, you know, money and, and what we wanted to do and our aspirations. We felt like we definitely were aligned and that was helpful. Had I not, had we not had that conversation, we kind of would have gone in blind, I feel, yeah. no matter how many things we had That's in so common. Sad. Yeah. <laughs> right? And you know what this reminded me of? Your question reminded me of investments. We were very much on the on a very different page about investing. So we got married when I was 24, 25, and I had started investing when I was 21. I got my first professional job and this guy sat me down from TIAA and he was like, there's something called investing and you should do it because your company matches up to um, 16%. And I'm like, what? Is that, a, is that a lot? Is it whatever? And he's like, it's a lot, believe me. And you're young, so you need to invest. And I was like, how? And he's like, aggressively. He's like, you're so young, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, and, and let's do the maximum. As I was doing that, by the time him and I got together and got married, there was a lump sum in there. And I remember asking like, what do I do now? And he's like, you need life insurance insurance, you need all this other stuff. And listen, if you want to invest in a home, you can, but home buying is not for everybody. Um, just know that you can always pull from your 401k. Like he gave me all these things. You can take a loan against it, whatever, whatever. And so when I got married, I was like, oh, just so you know, like I'm also investing in these different areas and these stocks and using my 401k, but that's all I have for now. And I really do plan on figuring out how to invest in other areas, like these things I hear called a brokerage account. Like I was like super like, you know, new to everything. And my husband's belief at the time, I'll never forget it. He's like, well, my father always told me that investing is giving a white man your money and you'll never get it back. And I was like, oh, that's so interesting. Even though the TIA rep was white, <laughs> I was like, he's not taking my money. I was like, I'm literally watching it. And I remember having just this moment of like, I can't change his mind. And this is actually one of the things I, I, I share with my clients is like, sometimes you're going to have conversations from a place of not changing their minds, but just letting the record show. And in that conversation, I was just letting the record show that this is what I was doing and that we were just going to watch it and see. And if I ever made another life-changing decision, that obviously he would be in the mix of it. And what interestingly enough happened is that about six years into our marriage, we bought our first home and guess what we used? 
that investment money and for so the down payment. Yes, for that down payment. And the entire time, my husband was saving the old school way by just stacking it up in the bank. And I was saving this way. And so when it came time to buy the house, my dad gave us a gift. We had this investment money and he had stacked some money. And I remember him thinking like, or him talking to me like, wow, this is like a thing. I'm like, yes, it's a thing. Like it's possible. But had I really forced him to believe or think the way I did, it just would have ruffled too many feathers. What I wanted to just really build was just the foundation of our values, which was like, we both valued working on things together. We both valued, you know, taking some form of risk and we both valued trusting each other. Trust and money are like, you know, need to be together. Risk, trust, and money. I don't know if anybody's ever spoken about that. Probably yes. But like they have to be in some conglomerate, if that's a word, together. Because if not, you know, then we're all just going to sit here and never make any moves. That's so good. And to add to that, I know with my husband, I told you we had a conversation, but we didn't have a full-fledged conversation when we got married. And I don't know, it might not have even been the Maybe even within the first year, my husband is very generous. So if a family member comes and say, ah, I need money, right? I'm, I'm in a I'm bind. My husband's like, here. And I'm like, what? <laughs> We're like, do you know how, you know, what we have to pay, right? So we had to work through that because I didn't, we didn't have that conversation in terms of if a family member were need were to need money, how would we handle that? So eventually we things worked itself out and we have an account and this whatever money we put in there, that's what we have to give. And 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 that satisfied him and that satisfied me because my mm. issue was like this was, we were in our twenties, you know, he was a second lieutenant and, you know, in the air force. So I, I, I was working at the time, but we weren't making a lot of money and we were, had debt and, and this was pre kids. So I'm like, yeah. okay, we gotta make, how can we lend money when we may barely have, yeah. <laughs> have it. Right. So I was conscious of that, but his was like, well, that's why I go to work. You know, that's to work to make money so we can spend it. Right. And I'm like the complete opposite. I'm the saver. He's the spender. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we eventually had those, you know, more of those conversations and, and came to, to an agreement of how we can approach that. So yeah. me and your husband just are all to same. show yeah. things, things show up and, and it's just good to have those conversations. Yeah. Me and your husband are the same. I'm, I'm the spender <laughs> and my husband's the saver. He's just, I'm the risker. I'm like, we'll just make more money. <laughs> and my husband's like, Karina, what? And I'm like, it's all right. It's going to, we're going to survive, you know? And I, you know, right. what's so interesting, Jenny, like that really does come, that's the benefit. I think of hitting rock bottom so many times mm. as a child. Yeah. Like I think, I think anything is possible. Like I just have, it's not just, you know, your parents tell you, you can be anything you want. Like, it's really not just that. I think having hit rock bottom so many times as a child, I'm just like, hit me with it. Like I got it. Don't worry. And right. I, I, and I'll it's figure just, it out. yeah, I'll figure it out. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, I know one of the questions that I get a lot of is listeners saying, how do I get my spouse on the <laughs> same page as me with money? And always my guidance is, and I'm not a relationship coach, my, always my guidance is, is not to at, you know, start talking about the bills and the debt and all that, but getting to know your spouse and their story, you know, their mm -hmm. history with money and their upbringing. And that will give an appreciation of who they are and why they make the decisions or that they do with money, why they do what they do with money and, and mm -hmm. overall. 
So what is your guidance? What is your piece of advice when you're just like trying to and trying and trying to get your spouse on the mm -hmm. same page as you with money, but you're just at a loss? This is one of my favorite questions. Okay, here goes. I'm ready. So plenty of times when we're having these difficult conversations, I'm going to have a whole framework on this, but we're going to, we're going to tailor it to money. When we're having difficult conversations with our partner, we have it from a space of urgency because the very thing that we want to have a conversation with them about feels so urgent. Like we have to solve it right now, as if the world is ending, as if we only have 24 hours and like it's Armageddon all over again. And what I want to remind you of is that time and the space that you have these conversations are extremely essential. I'm not asking you to wait it out. I'm asking you first to regulate your own emotions and your own nervous system before going into these conversations. I want you to start fantasizing about the good things about your partner. Because what happens when you have these conversations from this sense of urgency is you go into the conversations blaming your partner. Like, mm -hmm. I want to do this, but we can't because you eat out every Friday and you have to start eating. You have to stop eating out every Friday. That's how we're going to solve the issue. That is not going to go well. Okay. And even if it does, it might mean you're with somebody that is trying to people please you. And that's not good. That's not a team. Okay. I want you to first think about the regulation of your emotions, you going into it. I want you to regulate your sense of urgency and I want you to find an environment. I don't want the kids to be around. If you have kids, I want it to be quiet. I don't want it to be while you're distracted and watching a movie or, or you're getting ready to do something juicy. I literally want it to be a space where, listen, go grab some dessert, go grab some ice cream, right? And just sit down and say, you know, what every partner hates hearing, which is we need to talk. I don't even want you to say that. I want you to say like, listen, I've been thinking there's a couple of things that I really want to do. Like while we're here, I, I really want to buy a house. I really want to do this. And I'm excited and curious to hear what you think about those things. So even before you figure out how you're going to pay for it, I want you to get your partner's buy-in and be curious about what they want because you're going into the conversation about what you want, but have you thought about what they want? Absolutely. Right? And so hear them out because they might be like, which I'm going to stop here and tell you what happened with me. I was set on taking my kids to Disney. I grew up in apartments in that only that one period that we lived in a house for a year. I didn't know anything about buying a house and didn't even think that was in my plans until one day my husband was like, oh, we can't go to Disney because we have to save for a house. And I was like, what? What house? And he's like, that's what people do. They buy houses. And I was like, I don't, I don't need a house. I lived in an apartment my entire life. I don't need a house. He never asked me if that's what I wanted. <laughs> he just assumed that it was the next life purchase that we needed to make, right? And so I remember we had a huge, it was one of our first huge blowups and it didn't go well. And then obviously he was like, okay, you know, we have to get on board. This is why these are the benefits. What do you want? And it was like, that's what I want for you and your partner. Y'all got to talk about each other's dreams, not just each individual dreams, right? Once you do that, what your partner's going to feel is the four little word that everybody wants to feel. Mm. They're going to feel safe fantasizing with you. They're going to feel safe talking to you. And when you feel safe and you fantasize, you become creative 
And then what happens is the next step, which is you both are going to become creative about how you are going to get to that financial goal that you want. That house, okay, you know what? Maybe we don't have to eat out every Friday. Maybe we eat out every other Friday or maybe every, whatever. You become creative about those aspects. So for me, to answer your question, my biggest piece of advice is the timing, the environment, regulating your urgency, and then two, becoming curious about what they want, which will eventually make both of y'all fantasize and become curious and creative about how to resolve and how to get to the financial goals that y'all want. So good. I love that. Simply put and easy to follow. Well, (laughs) it can be. It seems easy to follow. I know it's hard work, but- Yes. You can do this. <laughs> yes. And it's not just like one conversation. This is like, right. I've been trying to convince. Time. It takes time. I've been trying to convince my husband for five years. Okay. To paint. We have this like really old wood in our house. I think it's cherry or oak. I can't remember which one's rare, but I want to paint it black. <laughs> and I've been dying to paint it black and renovate a certain part of our house. And instead of shaming him for not wanting to do it, I've just been fantasizing about it. Like, oh my God, it would be amazing. Wouldn't it look cute? And it's more so like this giggly, fantasized type of energy. Whereas last week, my husband was like, I'm ready. I'm ready to finally paint it black. You're right. Like, it would sell better, you know, the way the houses Mm -hmm. are on the market. And I'm like, "Mm -hmm." and and in that moment, I could have been like, I told you so. But I was like, oh my God, that's so exciting. (laughs) Yeah, I don't want to say that. I was like, that's so exciting. So good. And talking about finances, um, and we can get into this in a second, but I want you to know that I'm also married to somebody that has an extremely expensive hobby. And navigating that is also, uh, what's the word I want to use? Interesting. Yeah, my husband has an expensive hobby too. <laughs> Wait, what does your husband do? Cycling. I think that's expensive. Like my, the, mine's a the drag bicycles. Racer. Yes. I've seen bicycles for like four grand. I'm like, who's yep. riding these bicycles? Your husband, right. Your husband's like, riding what happened them. To, <laughs> what happened to the $100 ones? Like, yes. what, what's wrong with those? They're like, he's like, uh-uh. Yes. That's not what you ride on the street. I'm like, yes. why not? <laughs> Jenny and his gear, his gear is expensive too, right? And he has to have different, you know, attire. Like, why do you need? But that's just me, you know, but that's what he values. And that's what's important to him. But I'm like, why do you need like 2030? I don't know if he has 20. I might be exaggerating here. But (laughs) I'm like, why do you need all of those? It's not like you go cycling every single day that you need to look, have a different outfit for every single day. Like, why do you need? But that's, he values that. It's important to him because it's like a community. And I'm like, a community that I don't understand. But he enjoys it, you know? Wow. I love that we're sharing this. I love this. And I love what you said. He values it and it's important to him. So even though you don't understand it, support Mm -mm. doesn't mean that you have to understand. Support literally means that you allow your partner to be themselves. And through that, their happiness and joy starts to just like soar. And then y'all soar together. I promise you, I will never understand. My husband's a race car driver. I will never understand that hobby, not just because it's expensive, but because it's life-threatening. Why? Like, mm-hmm. why would you want to do that? And so the, the I guess, 
what part, I don't know, the part, there's another part of my brain that's like the safe part of my brain is like, well, he needs very expensive life insurance. I'm like, that's my part, right? Mm -hmm. Where I'm like, I'm going to take care of that. Don't worry. (laughs) Like, we will just make that where we have kids. I'm like, you can do whatever you want. I was like, but in the rare case that something will happen, at least we'll be fine, right? So anyways. Yeah. And I think it's it's just important to, because I have tried cycling. Not for me. It hurt my butt too much. <laughs> and I just did not enjoy it. But I tried, you know, we, I tried it and mm-hmm. to kind to shore the support and because that was, that's a big thing. And, and he does the same. So it's like very reciprocal, like in some things he doesn't understand that I enjoy, but it's all good. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. all good. Yeah, as I think it's it's just important. It it does make because we even though you know in a relationship you're together whether you're married you're one in a sense you're still individual people right Absolutely. with individual interests that you want to st- still have that independence. So you don't want to be like complete. I mean, yes, you're married and you're attached to your spouse in a sense, but you want to have that definitely like. A, I'm me. I want to do my own thing. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) And it's just so important. So important. Yeah. Now, one thing, and I wanted to dig into a little bit more about this because I want to make sure that those listening that are clear, that I really love your messaging about really being a better you. So if you could take us, because we, we talked about it a little bit, but can you take us, what does that, what does that mean for you? And what, how, how do you bet improve yourself? Because you might think I'm fine. I'm good. Yeah. 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 I think that in life you are going to be constantly triggered. Your relationship is going to trigger you. No doubt about that. And I take triggers as opportunities for growth and I see them as possibly untapped things that I haven't dug deep into that are still there. And so recently with the story of like basements and bankruptcy, I'm, I have, I'm in a um, money mastermind, funny enough, um, during this season of my life, as my business is growing, I've realized that I really need to work on the relationship with, with money. And even though I'm a saver and an investor and, and we have equity and we have properties, I think think to myself like okay what else could be there right and i i had before i joined the money mastermind i had a trigger about money and for me bettering yourself is looking at your triggers as more of opportunities rather than becoming discouraged by them right mm-hmm. so like if i don't know if i'm acting a certain way in my re- or in my relationship i remember when terrence first started building his race car it really triggered something in me where i kind of felt like i didn't have a thing because i was mm-hmm. very much pursuing sort of the the normal immigration story right degree job six figures and when we got married he was like i was like what do you want to do with your life and when you grow up and he was like i want to be a race car driver i'm like that's so stupid and i was like it doesn't fit in the box And he was like, what box? And I'm like, you know, the nine to five box or the business box. And he was like, yeah, but I, he's like, I believe God put me on this earth to enjoy life. And I really, really love race car driving. And not only do I love it, but you can make money off of it, off of sponsorships, off of a lot of stuff. And I was like, that's interesting. And so I remember feeling triggered by his dream that did I live my dream or did I just live my parents' dream? And so for me, a better me, a better you is really pointing out your triggers and looking at them as opportunities for growth to tap into things that you just may not have looked into as much. So good. And I think it's something that we always 
continue to grow in yeah. because you may think, oh, I solved that. I'm not triggered by X anymore. But later mm. on in life, something else happens. It yes. brings something else up. And then you have to, you know, reflect on that and figure that out. It's just we're always a work in progress. We're yes. always evolving and things change. We have to give ourselves grace, you know, yes. for to make mistakes, grace, just to, to just to adapt to new things. Right. So because yeah. life is interesting. Life is, <laughs> is challenging and it's fun and it's all those things. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's so true, Jenny. Like I look back at life and I recently had somebody ask me yesterday, like, what season are you in? And I was like, I don't know. I've been through my cave seasons where like I don't talk to anybody and I'm super mm -hmm. private and it feels lonely, but I feel like I need to prune and I need to figure out the things that I need to uh, remove from my life. Right. And I've been through the seasons where I'm hustle, hustling, like mm -hmm. hustle, non hustling nonstop. I don't like that. Those seasons, like they didn't feel clean to me. Right. And then, you know, I've been in the season where it's just been focused on my marriage or my career. And I feel like right now I'm in this fluid season that I've never been in before, which is I'm in a season of surrender, which is mm -hmm. like, whatever's coming my way, I'll be fine. I'll handle it. It's like this, this intense trust with whatever God wants for my life is going to happen. And I really feel like surrender opens up portals in us to really create deeper relationships, not just with other people, but with ourselves. And control is great, but only for a limited amount of time. Surrender, I feel like, is the true key to freedom, to finding yourself, to finding your authentic self and allowing yourself to be worthy of new beginnings over and over again. And you know what? It's interesting that we're ha here, here having this conversation, mm -hmm. and I personally needed to hear that. Amen. Wow. <laughs> and the stuff that we're dealing with right now, the challenges, and, and you know, it's life, right? Yeah, and we'll figure yeah. it out, but I need, I personally, so thank you. I really appreciate oh, that. Anytime. <laughs> needed anytime. to hear that. Yes. <laughs> Now to wrap it up, I know we talked about, you, we've spoken about so many things and one of the things, and it's going to be perceived as advice or, or guidance. And okay. recently I saw a reel and it's also on TikTok and I'll be sure to link it up in the show notes where that I really connected with. And it's mm -hmm. about the advice people give um, because we live in a world that especially now with social media where everyone's giving out advice everybody's giving their you know their two cents on abc topics right mm -hmm. uh and some of it's like great and of course there's bad apples there too but i've always in this podcast i've always what's really been important to me in this podcast is to make sure that listeners know that and i always tell them take what aligns with you what serves mm. you maybe in this season in your life and forget the rest you don't have to do all of the things but yeah. i but you said it what you <laughs> said in that uh, in that video was just so eloquent and so powerful if you could tell us about that Sure. So what Jenny's talking about is a reel that I recently made about how there are going to be many periods of your of your life that are going to be life changing, right? When you get married, when you have kids, when you make a huge financial purchase, whether it's a home or a car or investing, where you're going to share those um, moments in your life. And what's going to happen is that you're going to share with people that you love and that love you back. And during these moments, it's people that you love are going to share their feedback and their advice. But what I want you to understand is that their feedback and their advice is coming from their values and their belief and what they firmly believe to be true. 
So it's not that they don't care about you, that they don't love you, or that they're trying to knock whatever it is that you're doing. They're just sharing from their perspective. Obviously, sometimes it's unsolicited, okay? I got to say that. But they're sharing from (laughs) their perspective to you what they firmly believe aligns with them based on the decision that you're doing in your life. And that's all that's happening. And now here's the thing. What I tell my clients is that you get to decide two things. You either get to decide to exit the conversation, which my favorite way of exiting conversation is saying, is that so? So that doesn't imply that I agree or disagree. It literally is me being curious. Like, is that so? That's so good that it works for you. Thank you for sharing that. And right. Or you Mm -hmm. entertain. And when you entertain these conversations, it's because your values and your decision of what you're making, you're attempting to compare it to the advice that they're giving you, right? Especially if it comes against what you're doing, you're just curious. So you're choosing to entertain it. And I, when you do entertain it, I don't want you to entertain it from a spirit of offense. I genuinely want you to entertain it from a space of curiosity. You see, when we entertain from a space of offense, it's because we've taken it personal, like severely personal. I don't want you to take stuff personal. I just want you to be curious. So you either exit with, is that so? That's amazing. So happy it worked for you. Or you decide to entertain it from a space of like, tell me more. Let me hear more about this and let them just go off because you're genuinely curious, but you get to decide what you pick and choose to add to sort of your pool of values and your pool of decision-making for your life. Love that. And I wanted you to share that because one, I thought it was just so powerful. And also for those of you listening that are going through a time in your life that everyone wants to just give you their piece of advice and you just don't know what to do because like you said, Karina, it sometimes is just unsolicited. And mm-hmm. so I just wanted you to hear that because it just is so powerful. And I hope that you get something from that because it's, it's a powerful message. Well, Karina, this has been so fabulous. Yes. I have so enjoyed this conversation and I'm so glad you joined me today and hopefully you'll join us again in the future. <laughs> Thank you so much. And listen, if you're on Instagram or TikTok, I primarily live on those two platforms. You can follow me at Karina F. Daves or my website, KarinaFDaves.com. I love helping people overcome the number one conflict in their relationship so that you realize a better relationship starts with a better you, okay? And one of the biggest things that I love doing is really moments like this with Jenny to just creating community and creating this relationship. And so I just want to say thank you to you for having me. I had such a great time. And listen, we talked all things food before we hit record, okay? (laughs) So if if you don't know anything about us by the end of this episode, please please know that we love, love food. Okay. Thank you, Jenny, so much. (laughs) No, thank you. This was such a powerful episode. You probably sensed it with my own reactions. After this conversation, you now have the crucial points to really ensure that your relationship and money aren't sources of discomfort and tension. Understanding each other's background and values really sets that foundation for any money conversations or for just the future of you two financially. And of course, your money styles are going to differ, but it is important to support each other's financial interests with empathy. And that is going to bring in that harmony in your relationship or that financial harmony. So focus on becoming your best self first and you'll see magic happen in your relationship. 
Of course, after that powerful conversation with Karina, you're going to want to connect with her more and learn and hear from her more. So be sure to do that on her website at KarinaFDaves.com and you can get that in the show notes. Um, And it may sound like a broken record and that's okay, but Financially Strong Latinas around the corner. So I want to make sure you don't miss out on that. Next week on the podcast, you're going to learn about the term happy money. And you are going to be having a conversation with best-selling author, Ken Honda. Yes, Ken Honda is going to be on the podcast. It's a great conversation and you don't want to miss it. That is it. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. You can check out the show notes over at jenhemphill.com forward slash 370. That's jenhemphill.com forward slash 370. Remember that being the reign of your money starts now at this very moment simply by claiming it. I believe in you and so should you. Nos hablaremos el próximo jueves. Chao.